Take your Bibles, please. Join me in the fifth chapter of the book of Romans, Romans chapter 5. I'd like to begin reading at verse 1 this morning. Romans 5, verse 1 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance, character, and character, hope. Now, hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of his Son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, But we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. As we begin 2015, we have a very special kind of hope spoken about in this passage. A hope enabled by peace with God, access to God, faith, grace, and rejoicing in the glory of God. Hope developed through tribulation, perseverance, and character. Hope that does not disappoint. Hope that's guaranteed by the love of God that's been shed abroad in our heart by giving us the Holy Spirit. One of the things that helps us to look forward in such hope is looking back in wonder and what God has already done for us. This morning, as we prepare to observe the Lord's Supper in obedience to the Lord's command, we should be helped to not forget several hope-giving truths. And we read at least four of them in this passage of Scripture. First of all, we find that the Lord's Supper is designed to keep us from ever forgetting who Jesus is. You read the words on the front of the communion table, it says, in remembrance of me. Well, well, who? Remember to Jesus. And who is Jesus? Well, this passage tells us that he is Christ. That term Christ means the anointed one, the chosen one, the selected one, chosen from before the foundation of the world, the one promised from the time of the fall, the one promised throughout all the pages of the Old Testament the one chosen to be our Savior and our King. Uh, We find that in Scripture it tells us in in Acts chapter 4 that there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Only in this one, the Lord Jesus Christ. We find he's called in this passage God's Son. 
He's referred to him as God's son in verse 10. For when, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. Jesus is God the son, the son of God. This is a statement of his divine nature. He is the only unique son of God. We can talk about knowing God as our father by way of, of creation. And we also enter into a relationship with him by, by way of redemption. But Christ is the unique Son of God, and the thing that is emphasized when we think about Jesus being the Son of God is not that he's the offspring of the Father, but rather he is the equal of the Father. The Bible teaches us we have a triune Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and Christ is part of that triune Godhead. He is the, the given Son. God loved us so much that he gave his only begotten Son. And if we'll believe in him, we won't perish, but have everlasting life. He is the dying son. He was given to die on Calvary's cross in our place. His, his incarnation by means of the virgin birth was a, was a miracle. And we find that his resurrection is also a testimony to the fact that he is the divine son of God. He's also called in this passage in verse 1 and verse 11, the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord's a statement of deity, a statement of sovereignty. That's who Jesus is, as God. That's the role that he plays in the universe. That's the role that he deserves to play in each and every one of our hearts, in each one of our lives. We find that he's called Jesus. Because we just come through the Christmas season, haven't we? And, and we've remembered how, how Joseph was, was told very clearly by God, you call his name Jesus. Why? Because he'll save his people from his sin. That name Jesus means the Lord saves. And I'll tell you what, you and I can be glad this morning that God saves. That God saves sinners. That God saves you and me out of our sinfulness. And if it wasn't for the fact that we have a saving God, that we have a Jesus who came into this world to die on the cross and save us, we would have no hope. There'd be no reason for us to, to be together here and even think about peace or or think about having it be well with our soul. There wouldn't be any hope of that. We have a saving God. And that salvation seen in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord's Supper is designed also to keep us from forgetting that Jesus died for us. Communion is all about remembering the Lord's death. The, the grape juice reminds us of the, of the blood. The, the, the bread rep, reminds us of the the body that was pierced through with those nails and with the thorns on the crown of thorns and with the, the spear when they made sure that he was dead. Now, Jesus died. He came into the world to die. That's his purpose for becoming man was to die. But not just to die. He came to die for you and me. I love a couple of the statements here in this, this chapter of Scripture. Verse 8 tells us, For when we were still without strength, in due time, Christ died for who? The ungodly. The ungodly. And that's you and me by nature. We're ungodly. Well, we're wrapped up in ourselves. We're, we're not by nature godly people. You drop down to verse 8, and it says, God demonstrates his own love toward us, and that while we were what? Still sinners, living for self. Christ died for us. So he died for the ungodly. When we were helpless, he died at a perfect time. He died for us while we were still sinners, and he 
he shed his blood for us. Verse 9 mentions much more having been justified by his blood. Scripture tells us without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. There's no possibility of our, our sins being taken away from us, being forgiven, of us ever being cleansed. It's only because the blood of Jesus Christ was shed in our place. He died as the Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world. He was without blemish and without spot. His blood is precious. And we symbolize that blood during the communion service. So the communion service should, should remind us who Jesus is. He's God. He's incarnate God who became man. The communion service should remind us of that Jesus died for us. That's what it's about. Christ died for us. For, we could put our name in there, our individual name, any place where it talks about whosoever and talks about somebody who Jesus died for. He died for you. He died for me. He cares about each one of us as individuals. That's an amazing thing. The God of the universe who is over all also cares about each and every one of us as individuals. That's an awesome thought. Now, why did he do that? Why did Jesus do that? Well, the Lord's Supper is designed to keep us from forgetting why Jesus died for us. And very simply, it's spelled out for us in this passage of Scripture. Why did he do it? He loves us. He loves us. I don't know about you, but I am very thankful I can, can begin 2015 knowing that I'm loved. Knowing that, by, that I'm loved by my wife, knowing that I'm loved by my family, knowing that I'm loved by other people. But I'll tell you what, the love that really is first and foremost is know that God loves me. To know that Jesus loves me. The one that's in control of everything. The one who's over all. He loves us. Loves us so much that he gave his life on the cross at Calvary and in our place. It's spelled out in verse 7. It says, for a, a righteous man, somebody might die. Maybe for a good man, someone would give his life. But God demonstrates his love for us in that he died. Jesus died for sinners, died for us when we were in rebellion against him. He took the initiative. He took the first step, the second step, the third step. He did it all. Uh, it's all of grace. And he calls upon us to respond to that in faith. It's all of grace. It's all of love. What's John 3.16 start out saying? God so loved the world. And you go through Scripture, what a great great thing it is to just go through the Word of God and, and look at the number of places where it talks about God loving us. I don't know about you, but I am sure glad Satan's not in control because he doesn't love you. He doesn't love me. He loves himself. He's all wrapped up in himself. But the, but the God who's above all and rules over everything, he loves us. With a, and what a testimony of his love is the fact that Jesus took our place, took our sin upon himself, and took the wrath of God that you and I deserve. He took all of it upon him. Sometimes people will question God's love. Well, if God loves us, why is it snowing outside? If God loves us, why are the roads slippery? If God loves me, why am I coughing this morning? You know what? 
We got a tremendous demonstration of the love of God that should keep us from ever doubting God's love. How much does God love us? So much that God became man at the incarnation and went to the cross of Calvary and took my sin upon himself and there died in my place, took the shame of my sin, the guilt of it, the shame of it, the the wrath that, that was deserved by it. He took it all upon himself as he hung there on that cross and, and didn't have to. He was mocked by the people. He was mocked by one of the thieves that was hanging there. If you're really the son of God, get down off that cross and take us down too. Why did he put up with that? One reason. He loves you. He loves me. It's that uh, agape love we read about in the Greek New Testament. The term agape talks about a love that, that's not an emotional love. It's a love that starts in the will. It's a, a commitment kind of love. It's an action love. It's a love that results in, in giving and taking action. It is an unconditional love. It is also an exemplary kind of love. It's the kind of love you and I as Christians are called upon to demonstrate to each other. And we're told that we ought to love each other, how? Not just as we love ourselves. That, that, that's uh, before Christ lifted the bar. Christ lifted the bar in John 3, 16. What did he say? We're to love each other the way that Jesus loves us. We love each other not because somebody else deserves our love. We love each other because God's commanded us to do that. We take the initiative. We reach out. Just like our Savior did. And this is also the pattern for a husband loving his wife. Husbands, love your wives like Christ loves the church. By the way, I didn't announce this earlier, but it's found on Facebook. Caleb Hill and Jennifer Maxwell are now engaged. So this, this is for you, Caleb. When you guys get married, July the 18th, I believe, correct? July 18th. All right? Uh, you got to love her the way that Christ loved the church. And, and Taylor, you remember that too when you and Emily get married a few weeks before that. Husbands are to love their wives as Christ loves the church. It's an exemplary love, sacrificial love, unconditional love. Christ's death for sinners is the greatest demonstration of love imaginable. Statements made... Greater love has no man than this, that a man lays down his life for his friends. But you know what? Christ's love goes further than that. When did he die for us? While we were still enemies. While we were sinners rebelling against him, he took the initiative and died in our place. I thank God that he has our best interest at heart and acts accordingly in all things that come into our lives. I don't know what's going to happen in 2015. I don't know what will take place this year. You don't either. Uh, we hope for good things, but we know we live in a sin-cursed world. We know that we have mortal body. Uh, we know that this world's not in good shape. We, we see scriptural principles being violated all over the place in this world and in our country. We don't know what's going to happen. But I can tell you one thing you can be sure of. If you know Christ as your Savior, Jesus loves you. Everything that happens, everything that's put on your plate, 
is put on your plate in, in love. Now, some of it may not be real attractive. When my wife put broccoli on my plate when we first were married, she, she did so in love. She wanted me to be healthy. And my mother, she'd put it on, but she'd smother it with cheese. Yeah, that's the best way to eat broccoli, smothered in cheese like that. Maybe not the most nutritious way, but, but when, when, when your parents put things on your plate that you don't like, they do it in love, right? Not just to torture you and make you choke things down. They do it in love. Why does God put things on our plate that are hard for us to bear? Because he's trying to make us more like Christ, and he's trying to draw us closer to himself. And the plain fact of the matter is, a lot of times when things are going easy, we can stray from the Lord, can't we? We, we? we can not give God the attention that he deserves. But when things start going wrong, things get hard, what do we do? We cry out to God. God help me, right? Well, God puts things on our plates that may not be too appealing to us. Well, why does he do it? He does it because he loves us. Joe Gaither and his group put out a a pin that they had people wearing a number of years ago, a little red pin said, I am love. You know, that, that's not a bad thing. Not, not necessarily wear on our lapel, but certainly to pin on our heart. Know you're loved. You're loved. There's somebody that loves you. God loves you. Jesus loves you. How much? So much he went to the cross on your behalf. The Lord's Supper is designed also to keep us from forgetting the significance of Jesus' death for us. Verse 9 tells us, We've been justified by his blood. What's that mean? That means to be declared righteous. Declared right in God's eyes. Sinners declared righteous. Well, how can that be? Because Christ paid our penalty on the cross for us. We find that uh, we've also been given peace with God. The chapter starts out. Therefore, having been justified with, by faith, we have peace with God. Dorland sang about having peace on earth. Why don't we have peace on earth? Because people don't have peace with God. How can we have peace in our hearts as, as the people of God? Well, we can as we have peace with God. Stray away from God, the peace goes out the window. But we have peace with God. We're not his enemy anymore. Even though I've sinned against God, even though I've lived for self, I'm not God's enemy. I'm at peace with God because Jesus made that peace. When he paid my penalty on the cross, he's given me access to God. Uh, verse 2 says, through whom we also have access by faith. we got access to God. We, we can go into the presence of the God of the universe anytime we want to and talk to our Heavenly Father. Now, what a blessing it is to have that kind of access to the Lord. We have a lasting hope. We've been reconciled to God when we're enemies through Christ's death. And we'll be saved. You know, salvation is not just a past tense. Sometimes we talk, well, when did you get saved? Well, I got saved years ago. But you know what? We're still in the process of being saved. We were saved from the penalty of sin. We trusted Christ. Or in the process of being saved from the power of sin. And one of these days, we're going to be delivered from the very presence of sin when the Lord comes back and takes us to be with himself or when he takes us out of this world through, through death and we get to go into his presence, then, then we'll, we'll have that going for us. It'll be a great, great experience to be taken out of the presence of sin and also to have sin taken out of us. Uh, I don't know about you, but I'm sure looking forward to getting rid of that sin nature. You know, 
I heard of an 80-some-year-old fellow was asked one day, well, you know, when, when, when do you stop having to fight that battle with temptation and that battle with sin? And the octogenarian said, it hasn't happened yet. And it doesn't happen. Why? Because no matter how old you get, you still have that sin nature. It's not till glorification comes that the sin nature is gone. But thank God, one of these days, it's going to be gone. I thank the Lord we don't have to live throughout all of eternity battling pulls in the wrong direction, aren't you? Well, just simply be pulled by God for him to move in the right direction, do what he would have us to do. What a great blessing. And it says we've been saved from the wrath to come here in verse 9. And, and it says in verse 9, much more, having been now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Verse 10, for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. I got good news for you this morning. Not only did Jesus die, but he rose again, and he's still alive. Aren't you glad for that? And because he's still alive, our salvation is secure. When Jesus dies again and stays dead, then you can start worrying about your salvation. Because he ever lives now. He ever lives to make intercession for us. He ever lives to be our advocate. He ever lives to take care of us. And, and he ever lives, and one of these days he's coming back, and we're going to get to see him face to face, and what a great, great joy that will be when that takes place. And verse 11 tells us right now, because we got all this going for us, we can rejoice. Not only all that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have received the reconciliation. You know, the, the communion service, it's a holy time. But it's also a happy time. It's a time of rejoicing. I don't know, when you do something wrong and you hurt somebody and you get it straightened out and you get forgiven, isn't that a happy time? You know, and you're not estranged anymore? Hey, this we gather around the Lord's table and, and we celebrate and we shout hallelujah because we're not estranged from God. He's our heavenly father. He's our daddy. He loves us and he cares for us. And one of these days he's sending Jesus Christ back into this world for us as we uh, enjoy what he's given us in the present, as we look back on what he's done for us in the past, as we look forward in hope to what he guarantees us for the future. This is a time for rejoicing. And I pray this service this morning will remind you of who Jesus is in remembrance of me. Who's Jesus? He is God. He's God become man. I hope that will remind you of what Jesus has done for you. He died for you. I hope it will remind you why he did it. Why did he do it? Why did he die for us? Go ahead and answer. It's okay. He loves us. He loves us. Great to be reminded of that. And I hope you'll be reminded also of the eternal significance of what Jesus has done for you in love. He reconciles you to God. You have access to God. You have peace with God. We have a living Savior who didn't stay in that tomb. And now he ever lives to make intercession for us. And one of these days, he's coming back for us. That's the other good news. You know what? We won't always have to do the communion service. How long do we do it? 
We do this in remembrance of Jesus until he comes. We're told in 1 Corinthians 1. You see, when we see him face to face, we won't need the reminders, will we? And if I understand the Bible correctly, we see him pictured as a lamb as if it had been slain. And I think when we see Jesus, we're going to see the nail prints in his hands and maybe the marks of the crown of thorns on his head. And we'll be reminded that he did that for you. He did that for me. He did it because he loves us. Father, thank you for the reminders that we get in Scripture, the reminders we get from the communion service of who our Savior is and what he's done for us, what he's done for us in love and the eternal significance of it all. Help us to be reminded of these things and not just think about them in these next few moments. Lord, help us to carry these great truths with us through the course of the coming days and weeks. We'll give you the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen.